Good morning, good morning, good morning to all of those who are watching us. We want to say good morning. We're certainly delighted that you have taken time out to join us as far as this virtual space is concerned. And certainly God is great and God is greatly to be praised. I need you to do me this favor. For all of those who are watching us, if you're on Facebook, YouTube, or engaging in our live chat, found on our church website. Welcome to St. Paul Online. For those that are watching us on Zoom, I want to wave at you. I see you all on the screen, and we take wonderful delight, amen, that you're willing to pipe in and show your faces, amen. It helps to augment the worship experience. I want you to do me this favor. If you're watching us on Facebook, share in your personal timeline without starting a separate watch party. We want to make sure we stay connected in the same chat stream and tag people that you want to invite to check out your posts. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube channel and then text the link to this, uh, of this worship experience to your personal network. And if you're in the live chat room on our church website, click on the invite button in your chat window to share this experience with others. For those that are watching us as far as YouTube is concerned, we want to get up to at least 1,000 subscribers before this year is out. So please invite others to subscribe, to click on that subscribe button at the bottom of the page to join us as far as getting notifications when St. Paul goes live. And so at this time, we have a full day. We're certainly delighted to have uh, Ray Peyton C. back with us, and he'll be sharing in our youth meditation, uh, as well as the Eason family will be doing our Advent today. I'm going to ask that uh, Reverend D'Angelo Dia will come. He's going to lead us as far as our worship service is concerned. So do me this favor for all of you that are watching us on whatever platform, or for those that are in the house, if you would just put your hands together, give God the praise that he so richly and rightfully deserves. For this is the day that the Lord has made. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. If you know this morning that God is the only one that could have brought you out of your yesterday into today, if you know that God is moving us a step closer to being able to celebrate with each other, if you know that God has loved you better than you could ever love yourself, give God the praise that God richly and rightly deserves. This is the day that we shall praise. Please join the choir for the opening hymn.
Jackson family. My father, Tyron, my mother, Jocelyn, my brother, Isaac, and myself, Madeline. This is the third Sunday of Advent. Our Advent journey began with us lighting the candles of hope and peace. And today we are relight them to remind us of, of our hope in Christ and that he will come again to bring peace to the world. So today we add the third candle as a sign of love. We light these candles in faith and love that Jesus is coming soon. In some ways we may feel as we are living on the brink. Daily we live and move between the ordinary and the divine, between the mundane and the mysterious, between the known and unknown. Too often we forget to look up and see that we have a God that has loved us enough to send his only son to save us. Let us not forget that the love we give is the love that we receive. And that the love is a symbol of the everlasting God, uh, bond, the bond between us and God. God is with us. Today's scripture reading is Psalm, the 89th chapter, verses 1 through 4, and verses 19 through 26, coming from the New International Version. I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. You said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant, I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. Once you spoke in a vision to your faithful people, you said, I have bestowed strength on a warrior. I have raised up a young man from among the people. I have found David, my servant, with my sacred oil. I have anointed him. My hand will sustain him. Surely my arm will strengthen him. The enemy will not get the better of him. The wicked will not oppress him. I will crush his foes before him and strike down his adversaries. My faithful love will be with him, and through my name his horn will be exalted. I will set his hand over the sea, his right hand over the rivers. He will call out to me, you are my father, my God, the rock, my savior. Let us all enter into prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, it's once again that we call upon your most holy and precious name. Father God, as we are in this season of Advent, in this season of the blessing of you giving us your son, God, we just say thank you. Thank you, God, for waking us up this morning. Thank you for allowing us to have a roof over our head, clothing to put on our backs, clothes to feed our bodies. God, we just ask right now that you touch, touch and heal wherever people may be, God. And allow us to open our hearts and our spirits and our minds. Put us into a mode of receiving God and then just pour out your Holy Spirit. Pour out your blessings. Make this a worship experience where, God, you are at the forefront. And just come on in, God. Come on in right now, God. And let us feel your Holy Spirit in your presence. Give us a word, God. So that not only may we be fed, but that at the conclusion of this service, God, that we can go out and share those blessings and share those teachings with others. So that we can continue to be an example of the love that you have shared for us, God. We thank you in advance for just coming on in, God. And we praise you. Amen.
Wow. Wow. Amen. Amen. Praise him. Praise him. He is Lord of all. Amen. He is Lord of all. Wow, man. Wow. Man, we are changing this music up today, y'all. Wow, that is, that, is, that is awesome. That is awesome. I don't know about y'all. I feel like I have a little bit more energy after that, a little bit more energy after that. He is Lord of all. Uh, let me say good morning, uh, everyone. And I just want to, uh, before we head into this moment, I uh, want to shout out the Easton family. You guys spoke so eloquently and did so wonderful with that. That was beautiful. I bet Madeline and Isaac, you guys both read and did fantastic. That was awesome, guys. Parents, you did a great job with that. Great job. Great job, Miss Brenda. Great job getting them prepared wherever you are. Um, and it's good to be uh, good to be back in the house of the Lord with uh, some familiar faces. Amen. Some familiar faces and some beautiful ones at that. Y'all are awesome, and I love you guys. Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, I, I want to say uh, my name is Reverend Peyton C. For uh, those that are joining us in service right now, and I am the children and youth pastor here at St. Paul. Um, as we head into today's impact moment, is what it's called. That's uh, where I get to talk to the kids and the kids at heart uh, each Sunday, uh, at least for a little bit. And uh, before uh, I begin today's message, um, I also want to say uh, just a thank you to everyone that has reached out to me, to my family. Um, just um, in the loss of my grandmother, Pat, I really appreciate that um, a lot. It was really great, and I really appreciate Pastor giving me the time to go and spend time with family. Um, I do not take that for granted. So thank you all for thinking of us. Um, it really means a lot, a lot. It really does. Um, and so as we head into today's uh, impact moment, uh, the title of today's message is this. It's go see the light show. Go see the light show. Our memory verse for today is from John chapter one, uh, verse nine. And I'll be reading from the New International Version, which says this. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Lastly, our bottom line for today is this. Jesus, Jesus is the light. Jesus is the light. How many of you, how many of you, I know I've got some kids in here. How many of you love to see Christmas lights? How many of you love to see them, right? Yeah? Love to see Christmas lights. Have you ever gone around with uh, your family or gone um, through a neighborhood with your family to go around and look at the different homes that have them? go around and see all those beautiful lights? Well, when I was growing up, there was this one house that my family would go to um, each year if we could. My grandma would uh, call us up and she'd tell us that her sister Dorothy had put out these amazing lights that her husband would actually put up each year for their home. Now, Grandma C would ask us each and every Sunday, have you gone and see those lights yet? Have you gone and see those lights? Because her and my grandfather would go and see them as well. They were that beautiful. She wanted us to go see them and, and see how awesome they were as well. So each year we would get our coats on and we would drive about 15 minutes up the road to go see Miss Dorothy's house and all of the beautiful lights. I remember how anxious my sister and I would get as we would you know, drive up there the 15 minutes to go see them. We were so excited. And I remember the excitement building as we would turn into the subdivision and you could already see the glow of the Christmas lights. They were that beautiful, they were that bright, they were that big that they shone right when we turned into the subdivision. And once we turned, entered the subdivision, we would drive slowly down the road and we would make sure that we looked at each and every light that we passed, wanting to make sure that we took in all of the sights to see. Now, some of the lights that would be there would be Santa Claus and his sleigh, uh, be Rudolph, uh, the abominable snowman from Rudolph, the movie, big bright stars, a manger with baby Jesus, Mary and Joseph around it, and so many more, so much more lights. 
There were lights everywhere and it was a wonderful sight to see. And so as I was thinking about this awesome experience that I had when I was a kid, I realized that my family and I, first off, wouldn't have gone to see those lights if my grandmother hadn't told us to go see them. We wouldn't have gone to go see them if my grandma hadn't told us that her sister Dorothy had put them up. And not only that, she didn't just tell us that her sister had put them up. She said, man, they are beautiful. They are amazing. You need, you need to go see them. And so then when we got there, several things about the Christmas lights jumped out to me. When my sister and I saw the lights, we felt the same joy and the same happiness that my grandmother felt when she saw those lights, when the same joy that my grandfather felt when he saw those lights. They would cheer us up and they would make us smile just like they did for her. Then I noticed that the lights lit up the house and they lit up everything around them. Nothing was dark around those lights. You could see everything surrounding them. Even when it was pitch black outside, the lights revealed everything around them. The last thing I noticed was that after my sister and I saw those lights, well, it's just like my grandma, we wanted to go. We wanted to tell somebody too, just about them. We wanted to go. We wanted to tell our cousins and other family. We wanted to tell other family members and friends just how beautiful those lights were. And so, well, guys, when we look at scripture, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the light of the world. And if you ask me, he is the kind of light that we need to tell people about. The light Jesus provides brings us joy and nothing can take that joy away. Again, our bottom line is Jesus is the light. The book of John talks about how Jesus is the light of the world. Again, in our verse of the day, John 1, 9 says this. He's talking about Jesus here. He says, Jesus is the true light that gives light to everyone. And he was coming into the world. Every Christmas season, guys, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. We celebrate God sending his one and only son to earth to be born in a manger. Here in the book of John, Jesus is spoken of as the light of the world. And right before this verse, it says in John chapter one that John the Baptist, who was actually Jesus's cousin, would go out and he would tell everyone that Jesus was coming and that his cousin Jesus was the light of the world for not just, not just him, not just for you, know, you or me, but for all of humankind, for everyone. God had a plan and a purpose for John to preach and to teach everyone that Jesus was coming and that they needed to get their hearts and their minds ready to accept Christ into their lives. How is Jesus a light? Well, the light of Jesus, according to the Bible, guys, the light of Jesus is the life that he offers to the world. Jesus promises eternal life in heaven, but not just life in heaven. He promises life here on earth. He promises us a life of joy, hope, and love if we can put our faith and our trust in him. And all of this makes life look a little bit brighter. When we accept Christ into our lives as our Lord and Savior, our life is going to look a little bit different. I want to tell you guys how our life looks a little bit different with Jesus. Because of Jesus, we have the joy of knowing that we are saved from all our sins and mistakes. We have the love of God in our hearts so that we can carry it with us everywhere we go. We'll have the peace of God with us because we know that no matter what comes our way in life, God is in control and his love cannot fail. We need to remember our bottom line for today that Jesus is the light. And so guys, kids, as we get closer and closer to this Christmas holiday, as we get closer and closer to the day where we are just getting so excited for the presence and the lights and the beauty that surrounds Christmas, I want you to think about this. Every time that you see Christmas lights, 
every time that you see them around you, I want you to think of how Jesus is your light. I want you to think about how even more than the lights that you see, Jesus brings the joy that we need to stay positive even in the midst of this pandemic. When you see how bright the lights are, remember that Satan, the evil, and pretty much anything that goes on that is wrong in our world around us cannot and will not overcome the love of Jesus Christ. See how the lights reveal everything around them and remember how God, his light, reveals stuff in us that God wants to change, that he wants to move, and that he wants to tell us about what he wants us to do for Jesus to become more and more like him. And lastly, guys, and this is one of the most important parts, when you see those lights and when you think about how happy that you are when you see them, I want you to think about how much more exciting, how much more joyful, and how much better it is in your life knowing that Jesus is your Savior. And when you think about that, I want you to remember my grandma and I want you to remember John the Baptist and how they were on to something. When something or someone brings us that much joy, that much happiness, man, we should tell somebody about it. We should tell someone else because this Christmas, I want you to think about who in your life you can share Jesus with. We can share his light and love with others and we can tell them that they need to know about the greatest light show ever. Everything looks brighter with Jesus, guys. Let's go ahead and close our impact moment with a prayer. As we bow our head and close our eyes, God, I wanna tell you, Lord, thank you so much for this moment and for Um, your grace and the beauty to be back here and to speak, God, and for our kids to be able to hear the wonderful message of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for sending him into the world. We thank you for his light and his love that is so special and it's something for us to remember as Christmas gets closer and closer. And as we see all of the lights, help us to think about how Jesus is our light, how he has changed all of our lives. Thank you for loving us, God. Thank you for Jesus, and it's in his name that we all pray, amen. Thank you all, I love you guys, thank you so much. Amen, come on, let's give God praise for Peyton. Thank you, Reverend C, for that wonderful sharing that you have. and that wonderful word that you shared with us. And of course, we take wonderful delight uh, that the Lord is continuing to keep you. You've had a rough year as far as 2020 is concerned, and yet you continue to stand on the vanguard and continue to share with our young people, and particularly this impact moment. So thank you so very much. To all of those who are watching us, I greet you with Jesus' joy and certainly excited about what God is doing as far as our space is concerned. We know that, of course, the church building um, is rather inaccessible because of the pandemic, but the work of the church continues to go on. And St. Paul, I want to commend you all because last week we served 168 families as far as our food pantry is concerned. So God deserves to be praised for that. I also want to give a major shout out to Reverend James Burney because when um, we thought we were going to be able to uh, help families as far as food boxes were concerned on uh, December the 5th, uh, and that fell through. However, Reverend Burney um, made a connection with Old North State Medical Society, 
and we were able to this past Thursday distribute 200 boxes of to those who were in need. So we want to thank our transportation ministry and the men of Valor for coming out and giving great lift as far as that particular moment is concerned. Reverend Bernie has basically has really been um, doing a lot of hard work over the last few months um, as far as bridging that gap. And then this past Thursday with Creative Catering, we were able to donate 125-pound turkeys uh, on uh, Friday to families. And so want to thank Creative Catering as well as Reverend Bernie again for making that a working reality. Also, um, he is um, uh, the lead as far as our Toys for Tot drive is concerned. We are currently collecting funds and bicycles for this annual tour drive. We are looking at being a blessing to 200 families that have signed up to receive items uh, in this venture. This is going to take place on this Saturday. And last week, I uh, asked you all to give as far as uh, trying to supply bikes, and we have raised $7,348 to be a blessing to families. I want to let you all know that bikes can be dropped off here at the church during office hours. Please call the church to make sure someone is here to receive and let you know where those bikes need to go. However, we also are buying bikes, and the cost is about $100. Cast donations, you can submit those through Givelify, ACS Church website, or include those in your envelopes when you give your tithes and offerings. And so I just want to let you all know that on that, just put TOTS, just put TOTS, T-O-T-S, TOTS, and we know it's for Toys for TOTS as far as that is concerned. I want to thank those who joined us on our first monthly check-in on this past Tuesday. We had a wonderful time. We had approximately maybe about 150 people that were on that call, and it was so great to see so many of you all. We invite you to join us for a monthly check-in that will be most likely on the first Tuesday of every month at 7 o'clock, where we just fellowship, uh, have conversation. I let you all know what's going on here at the church kind of keep you updated and in the loop as far as the work is concerned. So thank you all so very, very much for joining us. I want to let you all know that on the last Sunday of this month, we're going to have our memorial moment. We're going to have our memorial moment, and that will be the last Sunday of this month. I want you to know that if you want to participate in that, if you had a loved one who has died this year, 2020, you can send or email the church office at info at spbcnc.org or call the church office and share the name of your loved one by Wednesday, December the 23rd at 5 o'clock p.m. That's the cutoff time at 5 o'clock p.m. Um, if your loved one has a tricky name, please spell it. <laughs> Properly, we want to make sure that when we roll the credits on that particular Sunday that we have the name right. We want to make sure we have the name right. So you can email that information or you can call the church office or you can mail it in to the church office. Um, but we need to receive it. Check this out by Wednesday, December 23rd. We got to put that together as far as production is concerned so that we can roll those credits. I want to let you also know that I have been in conversation with Atrium Health, and um, on Tuesday, December the 22nd, 
between the hours of 8 a.m. and 2.30 p.m., we're going to have COVID testing here at the church as well as flu shots. All testings and shots will be billed directly to your insurance or covered by the CARES Act. There will not be any out-of-pocket expenses incurred. However, if you want to get COVID tested or a flu shot, you need to get here early. They're going to cut it off at about 2 o'clock. You need to get here early. So, um, again, there will not be any out-of-pocket expenses. Your insurance will cover it, or either it will be covered by the CARES Act. But there will be COVID testing here at the church um, uh, for the community as well as for anyone that wants to get a COVID testing. Um, anytime that we come to the church, just want to remind you all that we are doing temp checks uh, and logging everybody in. So anytime that anybody comes to do anything at the church, uh, if you have an issue with us checking your temperature and logging it so we can do contact tracing, then we ask that you not come. Why? Because we're trying to do all that we can to comply with the rules and regulations as far as the state is concerned. But even more importantly, if something happens, we'll be able to let you know that you may need to be tested. So if you have an issue with us taking your temp, getting your information so we can let you know what's going on, then we ask that you not come. I'm very serious about that um, because we want to do all that we can to make sure that your health and well-being are our concerns. All right. As we move forward, as far as this worship experience is concerned, uh, I want to bring to you some prayer concerns uh, as we prepare to go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, we want to lift up the family of Brother Roy W. Hill Sr. He is the father of disciple Keisha Anderson. His memorial service will be tomorrow at A.E. Greer Funeral Home here in Charlotte at 3 o'clock p.m. The family of Brother Joshua Clausen. He's the nephew of Deacon Ira Alexander and Deacon in training Eloise Alexander. There will be a candlelight vigil for him on Wednesday, December the 16th at 7 o'clock at Camp Green Park across from Philip O'Berry High School. We also want to lift up the family of Sister Tiffany Lightsey. She's the aunt of Mary Lightsey. Her services were Friday at Charlotte, here in Charlotte at York Memorial Cemetery. The family of Sharon K. Sherrell, the sister of disciples Sandra Sherrell Brown, um, and the brother-in-law of Dennis Brown. Her services were in Statesville, North Carolina. We also lift up lift the family of Sister Wanda Jackson, who is the sister of Deacon Woody Daniels and sister-in-law uh, Lula Daniels. Her services were Thursday in D.C. And we continue to lift up the family of Sister Patricia Lane, the grandmother of Redden Peyton C. And her services were last week in Spotsylvania, Virginia. Um, I ask that we will continue to lift up quite a few of our disciples whose names are on our sick and shut-in list, particularly uh, Annette Oglesby Green. She is the sister of Kenneth Oglesby, who had surgery. We want to continue to lift her up in prayer. Uh, I believe I also got an uh, email about lifting up Sister Artis Clabern in prayer. And we want to continue to lift up Reverend Grace Ridgeway. Reverend Lenny Williams, Deacon Marilyn White. Uh, Brother Elson Baldwin is going to have to have a procedure on his eye um, uh, real soon, and we want to cover him 
in our prayers, as well as Sister Carolyn Ginyard, who will be having surgery in the near future. We want to flank her with our prayers, as well as uh, Dr. Monica Redman. Uh, as we prepare to go to the Lord in prayer, I'm going to ask that Reverend D'Angelo Dia will come, take us to the throne of grace, and uh, lift up these prayer concerns. Let us go to God in prayer. God of peace, God of mercy, God of righteousness, God of laughter, joy, and mercy, God of in spite of. God, we are so thankful this morning. God, we're thankful for your love and that in spite of the madness, messiness, and brokenness of this world, God, in spite of the absurd things that we do say or post, God, that you continue to love us. God, we're thankful that you have sent your son as an ambassador of your grace and everlasting love. God, we're thankful that you sit high and look low. God, we thank you for our pastor and his family. God, we're thankful for Dr. Scott's leadership during this pandemic. God, God, we're thankful that we know how to celebrate and praise even through our pain. And God, we're so thankful. God, you've heard the names this morning, spoken and unspoken. God, I ask that you would wrap your loving arms around them, God, only as you can. God, be with them during these difficult times, God. God, lift them up, God. God, send the right ambassador of your forgiveness to them, God. God, be with our brothers and sisters in Tent City, God. Be with those that can't celebrate this season with their families, God. Be with those that are processing the loss of loved ones during this difficult time, God. Be with those that are battling COVID, God. Be with all of us, God. God, you've heard the names. You've heard the prayers of our hearts and our minds. God, mold us, shape us, cultivate us to be the kingdom builders that you desire for us to be, God. God, be with this choir this morning as they continue to give you the praise that you richly and rightly deserve. Be with our pastor this morning, God, as he delivers a word from on high, God. And at the end of the day, I just ask that someone says, I yield, I yield. Why must I yield? God, we give you the honor and we give you the praise. In the name of that King of Kings, the Prince of Prince, the Lord of Lords, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we give you a preemptive praise, God, because we know that this prayer has already been answered. And the people of God say, Amen. Amen. If you believe that God is answering your prayer, can you give God the praise right now? Trusting, knowing, and believing that God can do anything but fail. Amen. Amen. As we move forward, as far as our worship experience is concerned, it is time to give. And as we prepare to give at this particular time, uh, there are a couple of things that I want to do before we uh, make this uh, wonderful opportunity to partner with our God. First of all, I, I continue to share that if you have been laid off, if you've lost your job, if you have been fired or furloughed, furloughed because of the pandemic, I am not expecting for you to give. However, if you do, out of your lack or out of your poverty, there is a special blessing that God has as far as that giving moment is concerned, as far as your life is concerned. However, if you are able to give, the strong can bear the infirmity of the weak. That's what we are called to do. And so as we prepare to give, of course, I want to press upon you that you can give either online through our website. You can mail a check or money order to the church at 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte 28205, or you can bring check, cash, or money order to the church. Please call the church before you come to bring an offering. When you bring that offering, we will place it in the safe, and it will be counted 
in the next Sunday's offering. Or you can go to our website called Givelify, and you can give as far as our website is concerned. So before you get ready to give, I, I want to share this moment with you. Um, every Tuesday when we have staff meeting, I have commissioned each person to do a devotional. And uh, so all of the staff, uh, once, a, once a week, uh, we have somebody from the staff to do a devotional. Sister Sharon McManus did our devotional this past Tuesday for staff meeting. And it was so riveting. It was so um, uh, inspiring. I wanted her to share it with you today. And I guarantee it will bless you as well as convict you uh, when it comes to your generosity and giving. So at this time, check this out, and then we'll pray over our offering. Okay. Hello, my name is Sharon McManus, and I would like to share my devotional with you. The title of my devotional is, You Cannot Outgive God, Luke 6, 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. When you give from a heart for Jesus, your goal is not to get a blessing, but the truth is that God will bless you. You cannot outgive God when you learn to be generous like God is generous. He promises that you will end up with more. This is the economy of God. Sometimes it seems like God is saying, let us see who can outgive the other. You give to me and to other people, and I give to you, and we'll see who wins. God always wins. He says over and over in scripture that you will end up with more if you learn to be generous. Sometimes blessings will be material, and others will be the spiritual blessings that come from a generous heart. What is Jesus saying here? Imagine you are going to a market to buy grain. You will bring a burlap sack and pay to have the whole sack filled. As the shop owner is pouring grain, you press it into your sack. Then you gently shake it so the grain settles down even more. You want to fill the maximum amount of grain into your sack. Jesus is saying that God's blessings are the same. When you give generously, God will give so generously that you will have to make room for more. He gives in full measure and then some. When you learn to be generous like God, the way you give to others is the way God will give to you. He wants you to be generous because he wants you to be like him. You cannot become more like Christ without learning to give generously. This is one of the most important decisions you will make. Is your life going to be about giving away what God has blessed you with? Will it be marked by a joyous desire to grab hold of God's promises as you let go of things of this earth? The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. You determine how much God blesses your life. Amen. I see some of you all are clapping as far as our virtual congregation is concerned. Thank you, Sharon, so much. And I was continue to be convicted as far as that word is concerned. And so listen, we're getting ready to give. 
We're getting ready to follow the mandates of Sister Sharon McNannan. So I want you to do me a favor. If you would, take your offering, place it in your right hand. We want to give God what's right, not what's left. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we come and we know good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall be added unto you. And as we come and we give God out of two aspects, love and obedience, we pray that you will bless these gifts of ours. As we partner with you to make your world a better place, a world that we've messed up. God, if you would, for those that are practicing the discipline of giving tithes and offerings, bless them according to your word in a Godfold way. For those that give something, Lord, I pray that you will stretch their faith so that they can become obedient to giving tithes and offerings. And then, God, for those who feel like they don't have to give anything, they don't have to do anything, continue to tenderize their hearts. Uh, until they uh, move toward the act of generosity and kindness. Thank you, God, for this wonderful opportunity to be a blessing. And now, God, take these gifts and do what you do best. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As we give, our young adult ensemble is going to bless us with song and then preach words.
Certainly God is great and he's greatly to be praised. I want to thank our young adult ensemble for blessing us as far as their gift of song and their time uh, in this particular moment. Hallelujah. We want to continue our series of sermons on Romans chapter 10, starting at verse 18 through verse 21. We find these words printed. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I say, didn't Israel not know? First Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. But Isaiah was very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. But to Israel, he says, all day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and a contrary people. If you do not appreciate this particular translation, let me give it to you in the message form. It goes like this. But haven't there been plenty of opportunities for Israel to listen and understand what's going on? Plenty, I say. Preachers' voices have gone round the world. Their message to the earth seven seas. So the big question is, why didn't Israel understand that she had no corner on this message? Moses had it right when he predicted, when you see God reach out to those you consider your inferiors, outsiders, you become insanely jealous. When you see God reach out to people you think are religiously stupid, you will throw temper tantrums. Isaiah dared to speak out these words of God. People found and welcomed me who never so much as look for me, I found and welcomed people who had never even asked about me. Then he capped it with a damning indictment. Day after day after day, I beckoned Israel with open arms and got nothing for my trouble but cold shoulders and an icy stare. I want to preach for the time that is mine. No excuses. No excuses. Excuses are monuments of nothing that build bridges to nowhere. Those who use these tools of incompetence are masters of nothing, therefore worthy of nothing. We live in a society where people want a relationship with God without adhering 
to what God desires and demands. God has specific standards and particular parameters to which he wants us to adhere if we're going to be in relationship with him. However, we don't want to follow any standards. We want to do what we want to do, when we want to do it, and how we want to do it because we are under the erroneous assumption we're the master of our fate and the captain of our soul. The problem with a lot of us from the pew to the pulpit is how we fail to grasp that us being in relationship with God is not based upon anything we have done, but simply because of God's grace. Grace is God's unmerited favor that is bestowed upon us based upon the love that God has for a broken, corrupted, and sinful humanity. When you think about what God has done, particularly through the nation of Israel, and has extended his grace to others that are outside of the household of faith, you and I should realize that God has gone way beyond the call of duty to reclaim, redeem, refresh, renew, reinvigorate, and recapture us from how the snake messed us up in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were the apples of God's eye who lost their way listening to something that did not look like them, act like them, or had their best interests in heart. It is what uh, Dr. John Kenney, uh, the former dean at the Seminary DeWitt Proctor School of Theology at Virginia Union would call snakeology, whereby the snake becomes the first theologian in the Bible. With the snake becoming the first theologian of the Bible basically means that when we look at scripture from Genesis to Revelation, we see in Genesis how it is the snake that gives the first God talk to humanity. As the snake gives this first God talk to humanity, he is so jacked up because he wanted to be something that God did not intend for him to be, and that was God. And so the snake decides that he wants to trip up humanity and mess up God's heart, and so he tells Eve, and Eve tells Adam that they ought to take of something that God told them not to. When they decide to embark upon that particular venture, it created what we call original sin, whereby the sin of Adam and Eve became the sin of all of humanity. With the sin of all of humanity being transferred because of the bloodline, you and I got messed up because our biblical foreparents listened to a snake. And unfortunately, a lot of God talk that takes place in today's culture is not necessarily per theology, but merely snakeology. Snakeology is when you try to put yourself in a place that God never intended for you to be because God knows what's best for all of us. And so all of us became messed up because of sin and the chaos that the serpent created by inducing us to fall. This is, beloved, why we have so much brokenness and pain. This is why we have war and violence. This is why we have to deal with sin and shame. This is why we have to confront troubles and trials. This is why we have violence and vice. This is why we have to deal with greed and crime. 
This is, unfortunately, why we're dealing with a pandemic where there are now over 300,000 deaths in America. This is why we now have 3,000 fellow Americans who are dying per day because of COVID-19. This is why we have a deranged president spouting lies about how he won an election and filing frivolous court cases in which he is now a record one and 52, having lost his last stupid attempt and it was dismissed from the Supreme Court. This is why we have racism and white supremacy that is standing on the steps of the United States Capitol in the form of 106 Republican representatives supporting the insanity of the attorneys general of Texas trying to overturn the election outcomes of Wisconsin, Georgia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania as they engage in the treasonous act of sedition. This is why we have poverty, hunger, and homelessness in one of the world's wealthiest countries. This is why we have to deal with sexism and classism even in our culture. And yet, in spite of all that we're dealing with, I have come to serve notice that the God we serve, that the God that loves us, wants us to move to a greater dimension of spiritual living and enhance expression of faith so that when we line up with the will of God, we will experience spiritual evolution from a state of debasement to a state of fulfillment. God is trying to reclaim the image of God, which has become disfigured, distorted, and defaced because of disobedience and sin. God desires more for you and I than we can ever imagine. God wants us to walk in destiny, move in purpose, embrace our gifts, operate with power, and pursue our passions. I would even dare say that, yes, the God we serve wants us to be prosperous and healthy and strong, not only in the material, tangible sense, but more so in the spiritual and esoteric sense. God wants us to move from this place of low living and mediocrity to a high place of value and virtue, whereby the very essence of God can be seen in our walk and our talk. But the problem with too many of us is that we want a relationship with God based on our terms and not on what God has prescribed. And therefore, we make excuses. This creates problem and tension for us because we find ourselves often estranged from God and from each other. We've allowed for our reality to be determined from our perspective to the point where we have become self-centered and materially driven. Some of us have even tried to become our own God. Based upon this misperception, we think we are really in charge. We are nothing but a bunch of control freaks. We don't believe we have to give account to the sovereign God of the universe on that day in which the prophets of old called Judgment Day.
Many of us don't believe that God's going to evaluate every word, every deed, and every thought that we have participated in and given determination on our eternal destiny and our heavenly reward. There are quite a few folks that don't even believe in a heaven or a hell. They dismiss this notion of eternal judgment. They don't even believe in life after death. And then we got some folks who say, I don't have to be a part of the church. On the other hand, we have some people who want the church to resemble a social club where you can gather with folks who look like you, think like you, and behave like you rather than looking like Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. Can I press my claim even further? This is uh, exacerbated or made worse because we're living in a time when people, Reverend D'Angelo, want a churchless Christianity. We're living in a time, Reverend Peyton C., where people even want a Christless Christianity. And, and in, in other words, uh, they claim to love Jesus, but they hate the church. And therefore, they figure, hey, I don't have to be a part of the church. I can get with a couple of my friends at the cafe on Sunday morning, have me a mimosa, read my Bible, talk about what the scripture says, then I've had church. No, you've just had a good Bible study, but you have not had church. And now we find ourselves unable to attend mass gatherings known as the church. And one of the things that get me about where we are right now, and I hate to put it out there, and I know somebody's going to get mad at what I'm getting ready to say, is that a whole lot of us talking about, I missed church. Want to come back. Can't wait till we can go back in, pastor, when we're going back in. But you weren't even coming when we were open. Uh, now we have to gather virtually. Uh, we have to gather on screen. And, and, and then, let me, if I could, raise the bar even higher because there are some folks who don't even want any preaching. Just give me a song. Let the praise leaders, let the mass choir, let the adult ensemble, let them tickle my fancy. Maybe have a scripture and a, and a prayer, but I don't want none of that preaching. However, the problem with this idea is that when there's a lack of the proclamation of the gospel, your faith ain't going to be built. Because if faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen, we have to develop what I call our faith muscle. And our faith muscle is developed not by what we see, but by what we hear. And our eyes can play tricks on us because they are restricted to viewing the natural realm rather than perceiving with divine imagination what can be. And so we are told that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Yet Jesus says that if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. But how can I get the faith the size of a mustard seed to move a mountain if I don't hear the word of God? And you can't hear the word of God without the proclamation of the gospel. And the proclamation of the gospel cannot be said unless a person is sent. And that takes place within the context of the community known as the church. 
So how can you claim to love Jesus, want a relationship with God, claim to follow Jesus, but you want to be divorced from his bride known as the church? How can you say, I got a relationship with Jesus, but you don't want to be a part of his body? How can you say, I have faith in Jesus and not obey his word? Faith and obedience go hand in hand. Faith without works is dead, but works without faith is impotent. This happens, watch this, through the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This happens through the gathering of the Lord's church, even if we have to do it on screen, even if we have to do it virtually, even if we have to do it through the telephone. And those who are part of the church, this is where I'm getting ready to commission you. You are expected to take this message to those who aren't part of the church and share with them the fantastic news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I feel a shout coming on. Maybe it's just me because I know where I'm going. But can I tell you all what the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about? The gospel of Jesus Christ has as its core message God's love for a defective and dejected humanity. The gospel of Jesus Christ is about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is what Paul says. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. This is a radical departure from what the Israelites thought, how God will operate because they were accustomed to being referred to as the chosen people. They were considered to be spiritually superior because they had the law of Moses on their side. But Paul was letting them know God is getting ready to usher in what is called the kingdom of God. And there will be some other folk who will be part of the kingdom that Israel y'all thought wouldn't be, be included. Uh, however, what they had thought about God, what they believed about God, what they knew about God was about to be turned on his head by the very scriptures they claimed to know. Can I put my kickstand down right there just for a moment and help you all to understand? They had the Torah. They had the writings of the prophets. They had the wisdom literature. They had the laws of Moses. The Find fulfillment in the person, the life, and the ministry of Jesus Christ. They had everything they needed to have to point them to the personhood of Jesus Christ. And yet they said to themselves and others, we shall not follow that Negro from Nazareth. They rejected Jesus and they failed to understand that in their rejection of Jesus, they were rejecting the very teachings they tried to follow. This rejection of Jesus placed them on a collision course with God because they were rejecting Jesus. They did not know they were rejecting God. Fundamentally, this is the issue that Paul is addressing in this last portion of Scripture in the 10th chapter of Romans. Paul was writing to let his Jewish brothers and sisters know 
that God is getting ready to do something extraordinary among these unclean, uncircumcised, unsanitized Gentiles. That the very folks that you all look at and snub your nose at, God is getting ready to do something extraordinary with them. And the Jews were upset with Paul's ministry to the Gentiles because they didn't want nobody else to get saved or to have a relationship with God but them. Paul was trying to convince his Jewish brothers and sisters to join him in what God was doing in their midst. God was letting them know that Paul was letting them know that God was getting rid of their excuses. They, they could not tell God they didn't know what was going on. And like so many of us in the church in 2020, we have no reason for not accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We have no excuse for not being concerned about others uh, who are lost in their sins. We have no excuse uh, for not sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with somebody else. You have no excuse uh, for not hearing and obeying the word of God. The problem lies, though, within the church's failure to articulate how all of us, not just the pastor, how all of us, not just called ministers, how all of us, not just licensed preachers, not all, that all of us, not just deacons and leaders of the church, how all of us are to be messengers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is impossible how the principles of speaking the word of God, hearing the gospel, believing in Jesus, calling on the name of the Lord and being saved, do not work because Jesus has already said it's guaranteed to work if you do something. The flaw in the whole system is in the sending. Uh-oh, it's getting real quiet. So the church has failed. Not God has failed, but the church has failed to understand the link between confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that God will be saved, that God will